Hey y'all, and welcome to this week's episode of Pursue Excellence with Taylor Alexis. On today's episode, we will talk about diversity representation in Dolls with Flora, Epe Edang, founder and owner of Haraj Dolls. Make sure you subscribe to Two Branch Media to hear more business tips, life advice from successful business owners, y'all. And now, let's get into the episode. Pull out your pen. Get out your pen and as we approach life moving where God has led. Okay, so welcome everyone to Pursue Excellence with Taylor Alexis. We have our special guest with us here today, Flora F.A.E. Dang, owner and founder of Garage Dolls, everyone. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Taylor. Thank you. Truly appreciate being here. Of course, it is a pleasure to have you on the show, and I know we're running on time, so we'll jump right into it. So tell us, how did Garage Dolls get started? Where did you start? How did it come to be? Yeah, so just to start off, as you mentioned, I'm Flora Beidang, the founder and creator of Garage Dolls. We're a multicultural doll and book company that focuses on elevating, educating, and encouraging girls of color to be unstoppable. The idea initially started actually when I was in high school. Um, it was when I was a junior in high school watching um, this documentary called A Girl Like Me. It was studying the impact of colorism on young Black girls. And during the documentary, they had shown the doll test, which is this historical test that has been done since the 1940s by these two Black psychologists, um, Dr. Clark um, and his wife. And they ultimately um, used this doll test to ultimately study the effects of segregation on young Black children. So right when the board versus education Supreme Court case was coming about, about whether or not schools are going to be integrated, they wanted to show the impact of when children didn't see much representation and only saw negative portrayals or images of themselves as children of color, how that perceived their image. And so the children were given a white doll and a black doll and they were asked various questions such as which doll smarter, prettier, so on and so forth. And the children, the black children overwhelmingly were choosing the white doll when it came to anything positive, the black doll when it came to anything negative. And that test was done in the 1940s, and it's been done over many years. So when I saw it in my high school class, it was recreated years, years later, and it had similar results. And for me, watching that and seeing kids so young, like these are like four or five-year-olds, mm-hmm. already having a sense of internalized racism, as I would call it, mm-hmm. um, this lack of self-esteem because they saw themselves Um, negatively portrayed so then that was internalized so for me um, my mind in that setting was just like oh my goodness I felt distraught and disappointed and wanted to think about the fact that dolls and toys especially are one of the first items that kids had to build their imagination to bring joy and to see themselves reflected and when I thought about the fact that like so um so many images of dolls that exist is not much of black dolls. Mm-hmm. Um, so to this day, either it's dolls that are homogenous, it's as if it was a white doll that's painted black, 
shelves when I did my own research, taking over time, you would see the toy shelves. Like I would visit various retailers and go peruse their aisles and saw that what maybe less than 30% of shelves um, even had dolls of color. Um, and so the early childhood development impact that that has on a young kid when they're not seeing themselves, it really just struck me. And though I had seen that documentary in high school, it wasn't until 10 years later that I decided to actually be like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of waiting for this change to happen. It's not happening to the degree or the level it needs to. And so I'm going to go and create um, a brand and go create toys that are really reflective of just young girls, especially young kick-ass Black girls. Exactly. Yes. I just love that. Yes. And so in those 10 years, what were you thinking about? Like, have you, what did you have to overcome to finally say, okay, let me get started? Like, you know, what was yeah. it for? Yes, yes. So, oh my goodness. Honestly, during the time frame of um, my high school experience after I graduated, I, like I've always been devoted, you know, the space of diversity and inclusion. I'm a first generation American. My mother's from Grenada. My father's from Nigeria. I like to say the best of both worlds. So I grew up being exposed to various dolls of various ethnicities, but my parents instilled in me the importance of black dolls. But it was when I graduated high school, I worked in advertising and then particularly worked in multicultural advertising. During that time, I also um, did a lot of working and mentoring young girls of color. I worked with an organization called Step Up Now. Network, where I had the opportunity to engage with young Black and Latina females in LA and just honestly help them through as they were transitioning from high school to college, but also just get to understand more so about what is younger girls like, you know, these days experiencing and all the things that they're navigating with media. So that was a way to learn. And then I also did internships working um, eventually in the toy industry. Like I was able to work for um, Jack Specific. They are like a small um, toy company. They're like, they were known uh, at the time very much for like their T-Pain auto-tune mic. I don't know if anyone remembers when T-Pain had an auto-tune mic, but yes, that's the company that did it. Um, and then um, when I went to grad school, um, I just, you know, it was when I went to grad school that I really decided that like, man, I've just been like following along, visiting toy stores over the time frame you know, spending time mentoring young girls. I've done an internship, but I'm still not seeing the change. And for me, it just stuck with me. And I think when I was watching the big brands and how they were showing up, I was like, man, I'm still just seeing a black, a black doll with green eyes and long hair. And like, there's no culture, there's no identity to her. So that was one of the reasons why I decided, okay, I want to go to grad school. And I want to spend that time actually working on creating a business um, and using that as an opportunity to like start to prototype, start to build connections. I didn't come from a manufacturing background um, and it was there that I really took the time. And I also had the opportunity to intern with Hasbro. And so being able to be with another large toy retailer and building more of that acumen on the inside encouraged me further to be like you know what I'm gonna go and create this so by that time I'd spent those two years really during my MBA program just like working on like I said on the prototyping going to the New York toy fairs talking to people in the industry mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to engage um I'd have a couple conversations with the original, the founder of Build-A-Bear and kind of ask her, Maxine Clark, about how do you, you know, how did you navigate creating your own, you know, build, you know, bear company and all these things, but the toy industry and learning that and just honestly being a, a sponge um, because I just wasn't in those initial spaces, but just trying to engage with my professors, um, interview a lot of kids and parents and like 
have a lot of dolls. I have a lot of dolls in my trunk of various prototypes that I've created um, before I was able to eventually get to creating my doll Aaliyah. That is beautiful. And so how did you feel during that prototyping process? Because I know it can be frustrating. I know you feel like sometimes I just want to give up. I was speaking from experience, you know, like it's, yeah. it gets hard sometimes. So how did you keep going? What kept you motivated? Yeah, I would say that honestly, being able to engage and like learn from young kids. So being able to have a young black girl see the doll, see the prototype of something amazing. So for instance, one time I was at a fair and I still had my prototype, not yet my full realized doll yet. And a young girl came over and she said, that looks like me. Yeah. And I think it was in that moment. And I've had multiple of those moments where there's times I'm struggling. I'm just like, okay, I'm not getting the growth that I want to see with the brand. I'm not getting this. But then when I remember who was this designed for, it was designed Though I want to be able to ensure that the doll is in various ethnicities and races, but it was designed in and around, especially young black girls, because I see that audience and that community as black females still being the most marginalized when it comes to greater representation and positivity. And so I was like, okay, I want to make sure that this doll is really being designed around her and then also having that impacted halo effect with other girls and other children who then can see themselves. And what I wanted to kind of mention was, well, like this is the doll, the first doll, Leah, um, that I like to point out um, in terms of like one of the things that very much when young kids see the doll is especially the hair. Because I spent a lot of time and energy with my manufacturer, especially on making sure that like she had the look and feel that was reflective of a young black girl and that she had the curls and the coils that were also reflective of that. Yes, I love that because our hair is definitely curly, coily, everything above it. And I love it. I love it. It's like a sponge. You know, we go outside, it's a whole different thing going on. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The versatility. We we have the versatility. Exactly. And I love it. Oh my God. This is just so inspiring. So tell us, what is one lasting piece of advice you would give to young girls or even your younger self? You know, with being that you know, we didn't have these dolls growing up. And I remember sharing this with you before that the only, I was very similar to you where my mom, she was like only black dolls in the house. You know, she, it was very important for her to know that for us to know that, you know, black is beautiful, just as you're saying. And so the only doll I had was the Addie doll. And I don't know if you remember, but she- Yes, I remember the runaway slave Addie. Yes. And so for me, it was just like, that was the only, you know, representation I had growing up. So with you and your dolls now here, these young girls growing up, they have some representation. So what's one lasting piece of advice you would want to give to them? Um, honestly, it may sound cheesy, but like, never give up. Um, as someone who still consider themselves still like in 
you know, I've been now with Karajals and been building this for the past couple of years, but I know there's still a long road ahead. I want to be able to one day to get into retail, want to grow into other elements of the business. But I started off as someone who very much didn't have a background in manufacturing, who didn't have a background understanding supply chain, having initial contacts in Asia, um, understanding what goes in to making a doll. And I just try to just honestly engage with people, um, reach out to people. And a lot of times you're starting within your own network. Like the manufacturer I ended up getting was through a, a personal friend and contact of mine. And I think sometimes it's always that underestimating of like, oh my goodness, entrepreneurship, you got to like go to reach out to like all these big wigs and money. But a lot of times you're starting with the people that's the closest to you. And um, those people are the ones who your day ones um, who supported you. And I think being able to tap into that is so important. And so not giving up, even though uh, the journey of entrepreneurship is very much long and at times lonely and frustrating, but that rewarding element when like, even if 10 people bought your product or 10 people watched your content, that consistency um, is something that's amazing. And I think sometimes sometimes things can get misconstrued as if like, oh, this person had a big break of success and bam, they blow up. But honestly, you never get to hear about what happens behind the scenes. That took how many years to yeah. get to that success. And so that for me is an important part of it. It was like never giving up, but also being able to have patience and perseverance. Exactly. Yes. And you just mentioned one thing that I really want to highlight. You said, you know, you didn't have any experience with manufacturing or supply chain. But one thing you did have experience in was marketing. You know, you come from a marketing background. So there are a lot of discussions around, you know, whether or not if you want to be an entrepreneur or business owners, whether it's worth it going to get your MBA, you know, and going into debt, essentially, you know, if you don't have a scholarship. So how do you think your marketing background, you know, did that help you, you know, as you were starting out in some capacity, you know? Yeah, I, that's a very good question. I would say, yes, it very much did because a big part of, you know, I had the opportunity and I've continued to have the opportunity to work a lot in multicultural marketing. So being able to think about consumer insights, understanding, you know, behaviors of consumers, like especially as we just think about the impact of what COVID, COVID has done and how so many of our perceptions of things and businesses have changed and things about purpose and what people care about when they're putting their coins into a company. So for me, the idea of being able to emotionally connect my brand to someone who very much wants to be able to have their child see dolls and see products that reflect um, something of pride and instilling cultural pride and sparking joy, or even for, um, you know, I get a lot of customers lately who are also white moms who are using this as an opportunity to teach their children, even themselves, about racial discussions. And so for me, having that marketing background and understanding like storytelling or thinking about the ability to just connect about, you know, what's, what is the brand purpose and values of what we do at Courage Dolls and who do we do it for? And then connecting with those who also can, who want to see that and who want to support that, whether they are someone who is of the ethnicity and race of the doll or those who are not and who just see that bigger purpose. And so I think being able to have a pulse on what's continuing to go on in culture, being able to have a pulse on um, just amazing, honestly, amazing cultural thought leaders out there, especially young girls. Like young, you have the Marseille Martins of the world. You have Little Miss Flint. You have like a spectrum of so many today. Um, and that's who Aaliyah and that's what Karaj Doll is based off of. 
So I think being aware of that and knowing how to um, connect with consumers in that way is something that we're continuing to build upon and continue to apply through my marketing background. Yes, and that's definitely beneficial because you've been able, as we see, to be to be so successful, you know, based on your with your company, you know. And so the other, the last thing I wanted to say is, how can people purchase the Aaliyah doll? Where can we find Garage dolls? Let us know. Yes, yes. So good question, Taylor. So you can find um, Karaj Dolls um, currently on our site. We right now do D2C. We're at www.karajdolls.com. We also have the book, um, our, the children's book that I also wrote, um, Don't Give Up Aaliyah, that teaches kids the early principles of entrepreneurship. You can buy this as well on the Karaj Dolls website. You can also get it on Amazon too. Um, but then we have our other items and pins and other collections of things over on the website. So definitely check us out and support us. Yes, we certainly will be. Thank you so much again for coming on to the show. Now we're going to get into our rapid fire question section of the show. So we have five questions. Very simple. You can, you get one tap out and then you get one phone a friend. Okay. So you don't have to answer one. And then if you want a friend to answer one for you, you can. All right. Do this. All right, let's do this. So, first question What is one thing you wish you enjoyed more? One thing I wish I enjoyed more that I could I well one thing I I would say like this is really random but I love karaoke like I one time I had did like honestly I kid you not like seven hours of karaoke <laughs> and so um, there was when I used to live in LA there was a a place I went to and they had like happy hour and like you can do whatever. Um, it was a karaoke studio, but it's just something that like, I love to sing. I've been involved in like church choirs and other things, but haven't been able to uh, even do that as much, but that's just something that's like a favorite hobby of mine. Yeah, I, I can agree. I love to sing too, definitely. But I can't sing, but I love to sing. So yeah. <laughs> so karaoke is for, you just let it go. You just let it out. Exactly, exactly. But seven hours, sheesh. Okay. But yeah. Took breaks uh, in between. Eight, you know, did some eating, did some drinking, took breaks in between. Okay, okay, okay. So that makes not sense. Okay, okay. Not, okay. Not, okay. I should have clarified that. Not a straight <laughs> karaoke thing. <laughs> okay, good. That, that's a little better. All right, and then so our second question, what is your hidden talent? My hidden talent, um, I can randomly, my tongue can touch my nose. It's really random. I don't know if you want me to show you, but like it's really random. <laughs> but like, I can do it. That is really random. Like, yeah, I've never heard anyone say that before. Do you want me to try to do it now? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, okay. yeah. Let me see if I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. You did it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. They may use that after the circus. You 
random thing. It is, but it's okay. So our next question. If you could learn any language in a week, which would it be? I would love to learn like Arabic. Like, I think that would be, I was literally in um, Brooklyn the other day at the Met Museum and they have this really cool um, exhibit going on around uh, Egypt and hieroglyphics. So they had a lot of things else on Arabic. And I'm just like, I just, I would love to be able to write um, the characters or I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but love to write the language. And so, um, I don't know. I, I have in no way, shape or form, no Arabic, but I think it would be fascinating because I think there's so much historical context to like early civilization with Arabic mm-hmm. being a part of that. So I'm like, oh, I'd love to go into a museum and actually read what it says. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, oh, that's really good. Yeah, I never thought about that one. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, I'm just, I'm just processing like that's. <laughs> you know, I didn't think about that one. I was like, yeah, okay, I see what you, I see what you're doing there. Yeah. Exactly. Oh wow. Okay. All right. Two more. So, what do you impulse buy at the store? Oh my gosh, impulse buy. Well, I guess the last thing I, I'll say the last thing I impulse bought um, was crunch, like bunch of crunch. Like, you know, when you go to the movie theaters, like they don't just have like the regular crunch bars, but you can get the little bunch of crunch. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's like I, I only ever find it at the movie theaters, but I was at a CVS recently and I just saw it in just the candy. And I never go down that aisle, but I saw it there and I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm just going to get so. And then I went to the movies the other day and bought it again. So <laughs> it's one of those things that if I do see it's so random, but if I do see a bunch of crunch, um, I will likely buy it. <laughs> that is another really random. One. Really random, but I would buy it. You know what? This is what makes you unique. So I am there loving it. Put throw it in some popcorn. You'd be surprised how delicious that is. That's Ooh, a little. I'm gonna have to try that popcorn and a bunch of crunch. It, yeah. It's like a nice blend of like sweet and savory and like a little soft, like. Ooh. And then once the chocolate melts a little, yeah. right when the popcorn's warm. Yeah, that's it. Oh, I'm gonna have to try that because I eat popcorn and I love me some chocolate. That that's yes. my chocolate. I, I'm yes. definitely trying that. Yes. All right, last last one. If you had to live in another country, which country would it be? So one of my goals, my bucket list goals, is um, I want to retire in Fiji. It is just something that I'm manifesting into my life. Don't ask me necessarily why Fiji. I just, for so, such a long time, have foreseen a future at some point in my life in Fiji. Never visited there, but I see that as a place that I'm just going to retire someday. So I might as well manifest that. And so that's where I'm putting it as a country. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. I don't know about that one either. People don't you know. Some people still say Fiji, but yeah, that's a good one though. Yeah. Oh wow! Okay, Fiji water. You know, I, I can see, I can see it for you. I, I, I could be, you know, selling some coconuts by the, you know, by the by the island, just retiring there, hanging out, overlooking the beautiful ocean water, and just having a calm, relaxed. Like that's gonna be my twenty four seven, you know, soft girl summer for like twenty four seven. Yes. Oh, I love it. I'm here for it. I am here for it. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you again so much for coming on to the show. This was a wonderful interview. It has been a pleasure. 
Thank you so much, Taylor. This was, thank you for the amazing questions you asked and thanks for even reaching out to include me here. I love what you're doing. Thank you, of course. Thank you for supporting us too. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in and watching another episode of Pursue Excellence with Taylor Alexis. Stay tuned. On the next episode, we will hear from graphic designer Virgil Moore, CEO and founder of Verge Boogie Designs. So you do not want to miss... subscribe to Two Branch Media to hear from more business owners, hear life advice, business advice, and support and encouragement, y'all. Peace, love, and blessings.